Welcome to Raising Parents 2.0, where we learn to take fear and worry out of life and parenting and lead with love and leadership. I'm your host, Saloni Singh, a mom, a life, family and self-mastery coach. Every week, I'm interviewing inspiring people from all walks of life to talk about the essential ingredients to create a life that inspires you, your children and make a positive impact in the world too. A life you love living. So let's begin. Today on the show, show is really magical today because we have a special guest who is all about magic. Her name is Vanessa Broers. Vanessa works with high-performing women to help them relax around productivity, to create extraordinary results and lives. Her new book, We Are One, How One Woman Reclaimed Her Identity Through Motherhood comes out this August. So let's talk to Vanessa about her life-changing experiences and her motherhood journey. So welcome Vanessa to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Hi Vanessa, hi. So glad to have you here. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. I, I hope I pronounced your name right. You know, I don't even pronounce it right myself. It's Dutch, so you did great. Sometimes better than me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so sweet of you. So, Anissa, I would really like to start with your story. I would really like to hear it from you because I think you have a lot of interesting things. Uh, we talked, you know, last time when we talked, and I know a lot of interesting things about motherhood and your journey and also how you came to write this book. So I want to hear it all from you. Yeah, <clears throat> thank you. So I spent, you know, it kind of as long as I can remember, I've been a really driven person. You know, I was, I, I can remember in high school, I would go from, I'd have to leave track practice early to go to orchestra performance and be there till 11 o'clock at night. And I, you know, I had to get like conversations with my coaches about why I had to leave, you know, and I was always kind of in this like juggling one high performance thing for another high performance thing. I graduated from um, college a year early and I did my master's in a condensed version. You know, I've just always been like, how can I pack more into less space? <laughs> and I used to think that that was sort of like the way it was done. And I just was really good at keeping my head down and working as long as I needed to, to reach a certain goal. And I even remember when I graduated from grad school, I, I think I slept for like a week straight because I had spent, I was like 6 a.m. to 4 a.m. every day for a year. And so I've just always been really good at that. But, and I use it to grow my, my coaching business pretty effectively in a short amount of time as, you know, most condensed effort will do. And I really thought that that was how you created incredible results. Yeah. But I started to putter out around 32. I just started, I just, it was so weird. And so like, I couldn't put my finger on it, but I just noticed I was about halfway through my second coaching partnership with my coach. And I would start to show up to conversations like, I don't really have anything to talk about today. Mm. And I, I noticed that that was super uncharacteristic of me, but I, I didn't, I couldn't figure it out. 
And I slowly started to feel more and more disconnected from my work. I started to feel less inspired, less motivated. And I, and I kind of started to let things slip, to be honest. My clients were leaving. They weren't resigning. I didn't really have anybody else kind of in the pipeline. And the income started to drop. And I saw that happening. And I still didn't really do anything or care. And the whole thing was just very interesting. Around that same time, I had a call with a shaman. This is just crazy still even talking about this looking back. We had this very interesting conversation and it was really cool. It was about this repressed anger that I had from childhood. And about three days after that conversation, I was at dinner with a friend. And she said, and I said, we were having Mexican food. I had a margarita with tacos and queso and all that good stuff, except it was not good. And I was like, this is grossing me out. This is disgusting. I'm not into this. And I've said like, I really think this is because of my work with my shaman. We cleared a lot of energy and I think I'm just not really into this food anymore. And she was like, Vanessa, you're pregnant. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not. That's ridiculous. Because if there's anything I, I didn't want to be, it was pregnant. Like there was no way that that's what it was. So shortly after that, I, I bailed on our morning workout. I couldn't get out of bed. I thought it was the time change. She said, Vanessa, the time change was an hour. You are pregnant. <laughs> and I still was like, no, that's ridiculous. It's not the case. So one day, um, you know, we actually, I spent, spent a lot of time with this friend at the time and we were at the grocery store and she bought me a pregnancy test. And she said, go home and take this test. And I said, okay, fine. I will, but I'm doing it literally just to shut you up. So I had a call with a client in 20 minutes. And I thought, sure, I'll just do this and get out of it all the way and call her and tell her, you know, it's the shaman. And except I was pregnant and I had an IUD and I like in, it was just this moment. I, I threw the pregnancy test and walked out of the bathroom and I sat down on my chair in the living room. And I was like, this isn't, there's no way. I mean, I, I'm not, I was 32, you know, happily married, successful business. I was like a teenager, but it, it hit me with that. Like this cannot be. And I was in this sort of, um, you know, mentalizing space with it. Okay. I can do this. Like right away. I met this the same way I had met everything else in my life. I can do this. I can tackle it. I can juggle it. You know, I'm driven like that. I met this with that. Go ahead. Except, yeah. Right. Except deep down, I was just feeling dread, just absolute dread, absolute dread. There was, I, I kind of, um, liken it to this small dam broke in my conscious that like was buried. And it was this realization that I never wanted to be a mother. And I never would have wanted to be a mother, despite how much I had convinced myself, someday I'd be ready, some, someday that would change. But what it really uncovered for me was, I had, I had unconsciously, as we do, we don't really know why or, or how we're developing ourselves really until we start to pay attention, that I had built my entire identity around not being a mother. I thought my identity was this driven coach, this professional woman, but it was really just anything but a mom, please. Yeah. So I called my shaman back and I said, did you know I was pregnant? <laughs> like you would know, I don't know, like you hid it from me. And he was like, no, but this is the coolest thing ever. Oh my God. I'm so excited. I'm like, well, one of us is, and I had to work through some serious feelings of massive shame 
I was, I was humiliated to be pregnant. It was so, and I was like, where is this coming from? Cause I don't look at pregnant women and think, oh my God. But I was afraid that people would look at me and think, oh, like I, I didn't know. I just felt this deep shame, this massive guilt for feeling this way. I was terrified to tell my husband, despite him knowing that obviously something was wrong. And I just want, after a couple of days, I just started having breakdown after breakdown after breakdown of just, I don't want this. I can't have this. I can't do this. And at the same time, knowing without question that I was going to have the baby and not from a moral standpoint, just like this is happening. You're doing this. I think deep down in my soul, I really knew. And so over the next year, the whole way through my pregnancy, I worked with the shaman and we did the deepest work I've ever done on understanding what was my opposition to motherhood? Why did I think that I thought I was going to lose my entire identity? I thought once you became a mom, the rest of you was lost. I thought that my marriage would be ruined and I would just turn into like the mother of my husband. And we, you know, like I was just so afraid of all of that. I was furious at my own mom for my childhood. And I had buried all of that and all of this stuff came up and I got to really see that not only were my perceptions of motherhood completely skewed and just based on fear and, you know, bad movies and things like, and like, you know, cultural concepts, I saw how limited I was as a person by holding on to all of this. And so what ended up happening for me was not only is motherhood like the coolest thing in the world and I love it despite moments of being like, I'm going to take off to Mexico. Please don't call me <laughs> ever again. <laughs> I, <feel like> crazy. <laughs> uh, I got to completely recreate who I was mm. and that's been really cool. Wow. What a story. <laughs> I spent time to, I, I didn't know all this. <laughs> so very, very strong rigidity, basically you had like that you're going to lose yourself. That's what I understand. So what happened then? Everybody's really waiting now, <laughs> you know, what happened then? So how did it turn around for you? Because you said that this was really beautiful. The experience actually what you had afterwards as a mom was different. Once maybe you worked around your fears and all the limiting ideas you were holding about motherhood. So what shifted? First, first, I want to know this. That's a really good question. And thanks for slowing that down. Cause I, I think I have the tendency to be like, and then it was great. And you're like, what, how did that, what? <laughs> yeah, a huge shift, like from a person who just didn't want to be a mom. So you had very strong ideas, I understand. Because mm -hmm. as far as I know, I mean, I, I see young girls and this maternal instinct is just, I can see, I have two daughters that is very natural. I think we're just born with that. And uh, so, I think most of the women, they just love when we are becoming mothers. And even if it's unplanned, we're like, okay, but now we are there. So we, we just started, you know, loving the, but if you had this very strong identity, oh no, I'm an ambitious coach and there are things I want to achieve before maybe I think of this. So how did the shift happen? It happened very slowly. Mm. Oh, I, I had a session with my shaman every week for a year, every week. Wow. And, and I remember showing up to one session pretty early on and him saying, cause I was still really in this, like, I can muscle through this. I can make myself want to be a mother mentality. And I remember showing up to a session and I was sitting in uh, what would have, what became 
pepper my daughter's nursery, but it was completely empty. We had just painted the walls and I slumped down on the floor with my back to the wall. And he said, we need to talk about the energy that your daughter's feeling from you right now, because she's experiencing feeling very unwanted. And I was like, yeah, that would be accurate. And, you know, I hate to say this because I know it hurts my mom and she's so gracious and loving for me to, to share this and work through it. But almost every time it came back to anger at my mother, I was so angry. She struggled with addiction when I was growing up. She's wonderful now and such an incredible model for like self-graciousness and healing. But I was so angry. I had never worked through it. And in my mind, being a mother, I would end up like that. That was the connection that I made. And so I was like anything but that. And so I started to just actually sort of take ownership of the fact that I was filled with rage. I was filled with sadness. I was, and all of my, not all of it, but a huge portion of my drive came from a compulsive need to outrun these emotions. It was this my unconscious way of like counteracting it. And so every single week I would explore, you know, it was kind of like an outside in approach. Here's what I'm feeling, here's what I'm afraid of. And we would track it back to, this is the thing that occurred in the past that you're still holding on to and that you're, you haven't let go of and you're not even honoring and acknowledging is there. And so every single week we would just kind of take and go down another layer and go down another layer. And as I did that, and I started to just be more honest and I would have lots of moments with my husband where I would cry on the couch and he was upset too. Like that was really hard because he he saw my wife is devastated to have a child that I'm thrilled about. He was afraid, like, what kind of mother are you going to be? And fair, like totally fair. But that was hard to handle too, because for me, it was so complex. It was, I am having this baby and it feels totally right. And everything above that feels totally wrong. (laughs) But that was confusing to navigate for him as well. But as the nine months progressed. And as I kept getting more honest and I kept being more gracious with myself and compassionate, I started, I think it was around month seven or eight took that long that I was like, I'm not excited, but I'm definitely accepted and neutral. Like I, at month eight, I was like, okay, I genuinely like can feel neutral about this. (laughs) Um, and then she was born. My birth was pretty much a disaster, but I'll have to rewrite that narrative in my head and tell you maybe another time. But then she was here. And what's fascinating is I was unconscious for her birth. I, this, the way the birth went, I, I didn't witness any of it. So that was weird to me, right. To have worked so hard to be ready to be a mom and like miss that moment was profoundly upsetting. But, you know, I I feel that I understand like the purpose of that. I think that the non-mother in me, so to speak, like she kind of needed to die off and not wake up from that surgery, if if you will. So just after she was born, I was lying in bed and my husband was sleeping on one side and she was sleeping on the other side in her little bassinet. I had my back to her and my husband was asleep and I was overwhelmed by this compulsive need to be like staring at her, you know, like how close can I get? (laughs) And this, like, I felt that this like primal mother in me woke up and man, she overrode everything. 
it was like, you do what she says, you feel what she feels. And it was confusing because it was so opposite. This other, I want to work, I want to do this. And I felt this total pull in two opposite directions. And <laughs> yeah, and, and I was fascinated by this, fascinated. And I remember laying in bed and this was a moment that I think I really consciously committed to this, this new identity, if you will that I felt I can see laying here, you know, week six, how, how I could lose myself in motherhood because that primal pool was just so strong that it would have been easy for me to just forget about everything else. But I, I, I kind of just had this intuition that instead of allowing that to swallow and devour me, I actually could use that really intense primal love to expand me and make me actually bigger and able to love myself more, my husband more, actually be a better coach. How could I actually use this thing that feels like it could tear me apart and have it just release me instead? And, it, and I had no idea. I had no idea in the moment, but I just knew if I didn't, I would get lost. I would get swallowed. I would disappear. And I would end up 20 years down the road, a great mom who's unfulfilled and disconnected from her husband. And so I just chose to use every moment for that first year that I felt that contraction, that I felt that fear and to slow down and basically coach myself to arrive at a different awareness of that same thing. And that's where the book was born from. And so in a way I wrote the book as a vehicle for my own self-exploration, but I learned so much about how to actually take those moments of fear and pain and frustration and challenge as a mirror back on myself or how am I experiencing myself? How am I looking at the world? How am I viewing the circumstance that's limited and small? And how can I change that? And in the process of doing that, you know, not only did I resolve each of those issues, but I kept growing as a woman in the process. Wow. Seems like pretty intense, pretty intense experience, I can imagine. And I think uh, what I'm when I'm hearing to, you know, when I'm listening to you, when it's, it seems like you were constantly like watching these parts of you, mm -hmm. parts of you, the part which really need, want you to control. And because it, things were out of control and just losing that, oh my God, I'm no more in control here. And then all these waves of emotion and kind of making sense of that. And as you said that, okay, how can it be more of to my advantage to be even more loving as you said, yeah? That's, that's the process, yeah? That's such a, I love that you use that word because I often tell my clients a lot of times high achievers are just really good at being controlling. <laughs> that's just weird. You're just really good at being controlling. And yeah, I, that's absolutely right. I, and I think that that is what allowed me to really start to reclaim and recreate from much more freely who I am as a woman and as a person, because control was my method of living to successfully be controlling you have to keep your world so small that it's controllable yeah yeah 
and you're right high achievers some basically this is a need to control because somehow we feel that yeah we things are under control while they are not you know so it's a great <laughs> example so t- tell me more about when you use the word reclaiming you know my identity as as a woman what does it mean reclaiming well what's beautiful about that word is that when you initially hear it it feels like i'm taking it back from somebody or the outside world or but what i really mean when i say that is i reclaimed it back from for myself from myself because the way that we unconsciously develop who we are in our life is in response to primarily our childhood but the outside world so we learn unconsciously along the way certain behaviors and characteristics make us feel loved and some behaviors and characteristics we get a negative response for and so without even realizing it we unconsciously contort and adapt and if you have a really this happens no matter what you have a great childhood you can have a terrible childhood we do it either way sometimes when we have more traumatic experiences we develop stronger more controlling in my case aspects of our personality more dominant more fierce but it's always in response to our outside world but when i say reclaim what i really mean is we think it's in response to our outside world but it's actually in response to our perception of our outside world because if pepper perceived that i only loved her when she acted a certain way she'd be dead wrong i love that kid no matter what happens right she might catch me in a bad mood and perceive that as oh mom doesn't like it when i dot 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 or if she throws a tantrum for the 70th time from our doorway to the car i get a little irritated she might perceive that as mom only loves me when i'm happy or whatever and she contorts and becomes pepper 2.0 as an adult so when i say reclaim i've gone inside and looked at what did i what do i think i need to be who do i think i need to be to receive love essentially how when do i feel okay being self expressed and authentic and when don't i where in my life with my husband am i perceiving that he only loves me if i'm perfect and high performing right that's probably the biggest lie and as i start to pay attention to these and observe them i'm starting to take them back and question is that really true do i really want to be that is that really how i want to feel and it's it's tough work right to push back against your perceptions of yourself but if i want to feel fulfilled and loved and creative and playful and fun and carefree and spontaneous that's on me to reclaim back for myself so that's what does that make sense Yeah yeah totally makes sense totally makes sense i'm just processing what all you're saying so when you're talking about really reclaiming what i'm hearing is you you were learning a lot of lessons in the process so what would what were your some of the lessons which you actually understood basically lessons or maybe you got to know yourself basically right that's what you're saying really finding yourself so what what was it what was it that you could find maybe something new or maybe really recognize about yourself yeah that's a that's a great question i think the primary one was that i had completely conflated productivity and self-worth okay. and i'm still learning that lesson i'm still learning that lesson yola <laughs> right fundamentally i think i believe that i am only lovable 
if I'm perfect and performing well. Mm. And so I know this and I still notice this when I'm underperforming, when I have a bad day yesterday, you know, I was really tired from having friends in town. It was not a productive day for me. I really had this like unconscious pull towards, well, then now I have to feel bad. And that was, that was the primary one. Um, I noticed that, and this is, I think a great thing about having children. I've got to relearn how to have fun and just be playful and bringing that into my work. I started to realize that when I come from a place of creativity versus control, that I am actually way more effective way more exponentially more effective. And I think the the third primary lesson would be uh what 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 I call the the have do be model versus the be do have model. So the have do be is I need to have certain things so I can be a certain way and then I'll do all this other stuff. Right. And what I'm, what I'm still learning is no, 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 no. When you be happy and carefree and self-loving, you're way more likely to do the things that are in alignment. So you can have the things you really want to have, but it all comes from like being first. And that's something I'll probably be learning for the rest of my life. Awesome. I really, you know, connect with this really resonate with the productivity one because I see that in me as well and so many of my clients. So I think while we were growing up, uh, we were really conditioned that if we are not productive, we are not even worthy because achievement and productivity is something like really a measure of, I think, worth for many of us. And yes, as you were saying, oh, I'm not lovable. It can be that as well for many people. So uh, what would you say to people? Okay, let's talk about it. Do some coaching here. (laughs) Somebody is really saying, oh, yeah, I I heard that. And I can really resonate with that, that yes. And I see that all the time. And even my daughter, like she's 18. And the day she's not productive in the evening, she's like, oh, my God, I had a really bad day. I'm like, what happened? I wasn't productive at all. I'm like, so what? And, And so I can just see it's like so deeply conditioned. In us, like we have to have a productive day. So what can somebody do to really kind of, you know, like a little bit, shake, really just shake this belief a little bit that it's okay to just do nothing. Just do nothing. And uh, if you're not being productive as well, uh, this is not like the end of the world, really. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a couple things, I think. I think on the deepest level, the question that I would have somebody really sit with like to an uncomfortable level is what do you really want Hmm. beyond what you say you want and how, how has that really worked for you? Because I got every single thing I ever said I wanted everything in the external. And I was still unhappy. And I got a message in my meditation one day, you never want what you want. And this perpetual dissatisfaction is a clue, not that you need to get a little more, achieve a little more, but that you might be after the wrong thing. (laughs) Like, Not that the things you want on the outside are bad by any means, but it's not working to create that feeling of satisfaction that, that really comes from a loving relationship with your spouse and a genuine hug and sense of connection or laughing with your 
girlfriends, you know, for, you know, if you're 18 years old and feeling a sense of like connection with other human beings. And when that is infused into your day, not only are you more productive, but you feel more satisfied. So when I find that end of the day feeling of, oh gosh, this wasn't a good day. My mind still jumps right to productivity. I'm retraining my attention to go to, did you connect, genuinely connect to any other human being today for non-work reasons? <laughs> like, so I think that that would be primary because it, it, if you can, if you can ground yourself in that and it takes discipline and practice, you do start to feel, huh, okay, I can, I can redirect that train. Mm, I love this one when you said that did I connect to someone for known work reasons because I think even as coaches and uh, whichever field people are in we're really becoming kind of workaholics and all our thoughts and start especially as for, for entrepreneurs like everything 24-7 the business is on their mind the work is always on their mind and even for people who are in jobs as well so really just take, really just chilling a little relaxing a little that helps awesome I am really intrigued about the name of your book. I love that. So I want to know more about what is it for you when you say we are one? How Thank you, you for asking. Because I, I, my, the name of my book is like one of my favorite pieces of it. Uh, it was, it was a, right towards the end of the year that uh, I titled the book. And I was thinking the whole year, like, what will this book be called? What am I going to call it? It actually came to me in a meditation. And um so the book, the title, we are one, it was kind of meant to be like a little bit like provocatively playful, because when you hear that title of a book in the context of motherhood, you know, I think you think, well, we are one, like we're one soul, we're unified, we're connected. And for me, you know, I, I don't want to give it away totally, but you know, whatever you can, you can be surprised again when, when you finish the book that it's actually, we are one year old together. We did it. We did a year. And, um, it was just a way to be playful with like, we're, we're, we're not one, like we are one and we're not one, right? Like I'm my own self, I'm my own individual person. And, and my job is to create you as an individual person. But it, the book title is actually like, we're one year old. Oh, that's amazing. I never, never thought of that. That's why I'm really intrigued. Okay, does she mean this? We are one as in spirit. That's, that's amazing. I, I like this playful title a lot. Very nice. And that also leads towards that uh, I feel though motherhood and parenting for that matter, fatherhood is a very spiritual process. And uh, I'm sure you will connect with that. How I, I tell people like my daughter is 18 and now going to college this year. And I think I have not learned from anywhere, no teachers, no mentors, no books as much as I've learned from her really so the experience is just amazing every single day you know learning in patience and love and everything you know you really become the person you, you never thought you could be what has been your experience in this journey yeah i love this question and i agree with you <clears throat> there it is such a spiritual such a spiritual practice and uh i i recently began to think of actually about motherhood as a sacred role which actually helps me separate it from a concept of identity at all. Like if I don't have to identify a part of me as a mother, but it's just a sacred role that I chose to participate in. And I find that when I view it from this perspective, perspective and more lightness, 
mm-hmm. a little sense more, a sense of a slightly more carefree. The stakes are lowered. For example, um, I had a moment a couple weeks ago and I was home and I just like home with my family in Pittsburgh and I just felt pushed way beyond capacity. Just too many commitments, friends, family, work, child, you know, it, it was just too much. And I got completely pushed to my capacity. And I ended up, I was in the car with my mom and Pepper and she was losing it. And I said, drop me off at my friend's house. And it wasn't this like conscious, I need a break. I mean, I was like, I'm out. And it was, it was a little disturbing for me and my mother. She was like, you just bailed on your kid, like in the middle of a really difficult moment. And I felt I was genuinely disturbed because it was like, I don't even care that you're not okay. I'm going. And it was kind of this like cold inner shutdown thing. It was definitely not conscious choice. So I, I went home and I really reflected on how did that happen? Because I caught myself feeling super guilty. Mm. Really? You're like the, are you're like, you're a bad mom. This isn't what a good mother does. These kinds of thoughts. Now, if I, when I look at motherhood or parenting through a sacred spiritual perspective, then every single moment, especially like that is an opportunity to, to, to really look at yourself and ask, how did I get there? If I drop the guilt and I offer myself compassion, how did that happen? And what I found was a couple things. One, I just, on an outside perspective, I was way overcommitted. I hadn't been home not living there in like 10 years. So I forgot how chaotic that was. And I just way overcommitted myself on the internal perspective. What I observed was this profound feeling of not enoughness surfacing in my relationship with my mom and my family. And so I spent some time going really deep in that and looking at some of the dynamics in our family, some of the stuff I was holding on from the past, which really genuinely woke me up like full cellular soul experience of waking up to, oh my gosh, I've always been enough. This, the dynamic that was going on through my childhood was, you know, in a family of addiction, there's a lot of expectations and pressure and um, betrayal and lies. And I felt really not okay, but I thought I was not okay. And and looking at this like really intense experience of feeling like, how did I just bail on my kid? Like that was calling my attention. I looked inward and saw, whoa, I had that wrong my whole life. I've always been enough. I'm still enough. I'm in full body getting it right. Really seeing it. And so for me, if we're able to take this lens on parenthood, then those moments that are either incredibly beautiful or less than ideal, or even totally disastrous, give us an opportunity for it just to simply be a mirror of what we are experiencing unconsciously inside. And if we do that, it allows us to grow. And all of those really tough moments, all of a sudden don't become things to get through or problems to solve or behaviors to fix. And ever since that moment, life has been even more beautiful, even more relaxed. And that's the perspective that I take on, on parenting. It's never Pepper. It's never me. It's never anybody else. It's only what is this showing me about who I am and what I believe. Wow, that was beautiful, beautiful. And what a beautiful perspective, because I think motherhood parenting, basically, it comes with this inherent guilt. 
the moment we become parent i think it's just instilled into us i just don't know where it comes from but i i see that all the time with myself and in my clients like just guilt so much guilt whether we are doing it right or not doing it right whether we are doing enough or not doing enough it's always there so it's just amazing how it just instills into us like so much so i really resonate with that and it's a beautiful way you describe like how to see it and take it as a as a way to really go within us to as an opportunity to really understand ourselves at a deeper level so that was beautiful beautiful uh, what are the times i would say like any other emotions because if this is like a lot of emotion like shame for example not being enough you said is an another example any other emotions you feel that you have come across in your motherhood journey and you realize that oh yeah this is again an opportunity to navigate and to look within myself and it's like really healing my wounds as you mentioned about your childhood as well and i think most of the time what motherhood and parenting is doing it's just showing us all the unhealed wounds which we had and it's such a mirror that's why we get so triggered as well yeah Well, you know, I decided early on, and when I say decide, I mean total act of surrender, not like I knew what to do. Uh, I heard this a long time ago, and I love it. The decision is an act of surrender because we have to decide before we know. And I decided a few months in that I was not going to participate in guilt as a mother. I just wasn't going to do it. I noticed my husband didn't have dad guilt. He was, and when I tried, he's, he's Dutch. So when I tried to explain mom guilt to him and he's a man, so I don't know which one played into it, but he was like, what, that doesn't make any sense. Wow. Genuinely dumbfounded by the concept. And it had me kind of slow down and think, okay, if he doesn't just get it, like, oh, you're a, you're a woman and you're a human. So you have to breathe. So therefore, and you're a mother. So therefore you must have to feel guilt. Like that didn't connect to him. You couldn't, if I died and you did an autopsy on me, you couldn't find mom guilt in my body. Right. And so I just thought maybe this is also just an idea. I picked up that this is a part of motherhood. And I, I tend to rebel just against everything. (laughs) And so in this case, I thought, what if I rebelled against mom guilt and just chose to not feel it? Now that doesn't mean I don't feel it. But when it does come up, I get more curious about it. And so I found that mom guilt for me tends to come down to a couple of things. I'm tempted to give you a number, but then I might not be able to give you the, uh, <laughs> the full list. So a couple of things. Yeah. One, is just the innocent idea that I should feel guilty. Mm. So um, I left Pepper with my mom for 10 days. And I thought, should I feel guilty about this? And then I was like, nope, that's just an idea. Like, I really need this time. She loves my mom. Have at it. See you in 10 days. And it was, so it was kind of like, oh, I just assumed I should feel guilty about this. But when I kind of questioned, I'm like, actually, don't feel guilty about this. I can sort of let it go. The second thing is guilt is sometimes an indicator that there's something else going on that is harder to feel than guilt. So for example, uh, Pepper, um, it's almost time for her to go to school five days a week. According to my husband, it was time five months ago, but (laughs) it's almost time for me. (laughs) 
And I started to feel guilty. Like, oh no, is that so terrible? She's only two to put her in school five days a week. And when I slowed that down and I'm feeling so guilty about that, what I realized is actually feeling really sad about that. I'm feeling really like, I don't know if I want to be away from her that long. I feel kind of torn. Like I want that time for myself and my business and she's only going to be little and I'm going to miss her. And so sometimes I notice that guilt is a, is a marker for a different feeling. Oh, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. And I totally relate with that, that it's so, so much of conditioning around guilt, like, because we, we hear this all the time from moms. That, you know, I feel so, so guilty about leaving my child for a few days, few hours. And even when we send them to school, of course, a lot of guilt. When, when we're working on our businesses, for example, or doing anything for our own selves, you know, yeah. self-care and not a lot of stuff. So it's like literally ingrained in, in conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think I also feel the same way. There was one time when I just decided I'm not going to indulge into mom guilt. Done. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Because everything is a conscious decision. So I've been on like many spiritual retreats, 10 day retreats where my husband will take care of both the girls. And actually they were happy because every time mommy come home and she's so calm and, and she's a better mom. <laughs> so yeah. for everyone. Go, go, go. Yeah. yeah. Part of, of mom guilt and maybe guilt in general. Uh, it's, it's an over focus on ourselves and our own self-importance. Yeah. And, and I say that in a kind of like a cheeky way, because that feels like it's not about me. It's about my daughter. But if it were really about my daughter, then I would be thinking about, I wonder what she's going to do with her grandma. And she loves her grandma so much. And she's being in school could be so good for her because she's a really high energy kid and she's really intelligent. And I'm not that great at stimulating her at home. Like mentally we go for walks and stuff, but it's not my strength to create projects. And so it could actually be better for her. And why don't I test that and see other than, oh my God, without me at the center of her life, she's going to completely collapse and fall apart, forgetting that she's an actual human being here to do her own thing. So I think that third kind of piece of the mom guilt is sometimes that we forget this kid, they love you, but they're not here for you. And I think I can at least forget that and be like, well, obviously if I'm gone, she's definitely going to fall apart and maybe die. <laughs> you know, it's like, she'll be fine. <laughs> that's right and I think kids always learn anyway with when they are actually grown with different people like especially the family members and then they get to experience more they get to learn more from different people rather than I always feel like staying with you know just with mom and dad so there's always an opportunity for them to grow as well yeah absolutely wonderful there was another thing I wanted to talk about like as as the emotions we go through as parents and uh, like for example right now in, in the middle of pandemic and most of the time we are not being even honest with our own children and we are not able to really share our own emotions and that also I think this kind of hinder and then it, it convert into some kind of you know anxiety and guilt because we are not able to express ourselves what, what do you think about that that is, I love, love, love that question. And it's so important because the moments that's, that do really trip me up as a mother where I can feel my patience just evaporate are the moments where I am really struggling with something internally. You know, and I'm always working with a coach and doing my own spiritual work. So I go through phases where I feel really low because I'm working on something and I'm in a, a deep, tough emotion or 
I'm in an argument with my husband or I'm stressing out about work or we're in a global pandemic and you feel isolated or you have your own issues with friendship and connection and, and you're not maybe even fully aware that that's happening. And in those moments, you know, your kid isn't tuned into that. Not in the sense that's like, oh, I better give mom some space and stop throwing books all over the floor. <laughs> like I won't color on the lamp today because I can tell mom's having one. <laughs> and, and those are the moments where I feel like I could scream, you know, and I want to like lock myself in the bathroom or I feel myself wanting to lash out at Pepper because she's throwing another tantrum or it causes me to be less present with her during the day. And I feel like, no, 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 I've got to clean the house. And I've been cleaning the house for an hour and then she's throwing a tantrum, but I'm not aware that she's throwing a tantrum because she hasn't had any of my attention for an hour. And so again, it's that opportunity to like, when, when, when my life looks like it's falling apart, it's like, all right, what am I not paying attention to? What am I not honoring inside? And I think, you know, Pepper's two. And so I'll have a different answer for this. I'm sure as she gets older, maybe you have a different perspective, but I don't, I don't feel like I need to hide my experience from her. But I would like to make her comfortable in experiencing it, you know, so that she doesn't take it on as her own. But, you know, I coach a lot of people and and kind of across the spectrum, you know, there's some people whose parents, you know, dumped too much on them and they kind of became parentified and they struggle with that. On the flip side, I've seen women that are desperately struggling because in their eyes, their mom was perfect and they never struggled and they never cried. And they're now having like a life crisis because they're not perfect. And so I think my perspective on that is, is sort of twofold. It's one, I think it's okay for your kids to see you cry and to, you know, I, I had a day not that long ago where I was, I was really short. I didn't do a very good job and peppers too. And I said, listen, babe, sometimes mommy's getting bad moods and I was in a bad mood today and I was not very nice to you and I'm really sorry. And it had nothing to do with you. And I love you. And she, you know, she, I don't know how much of it she's taking in, but she took in some of it. Mm. And then the flip side of that is I have to be disciplined Mm. with my honoring of my own emotions and, and getting support from people. I have a lot of really good support in my life for people. I can just call and cry and vent and whatever, because we were, it's kind of like, you have to have that pressure release valve. If you're not paying attention, you're going to blow us, blow us, blow a top. And if you are paying more attention, then you can get support before you do. But either way, there has to be enough self-compassion that you cultivate and practice that gives yourself permission to feel whatever you're feeling, because just because you decide that what you're feeling is not okay, does not make it go away. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I think it's so important for parents to really hear this, that it's perfectly okay, whatever you're going through, first of all. And then it's okay to be vulnerable and, uh, and no need to put a mask or hide it, you know, in front of your children and always good idea to apologize. Yeah, if you, if you do something, act out because of your, you are throwing a tantrum now. <laughs> yeah. It's wonderful. And another thing you had mentioned earlier, I think that is very important for parents to know that when we overcome it. And when we involve ourselves in too many things, because that is one big reason I see that when we start to lose it and we're really stressed out and we don't know what's going on. And it's just maybe we have taken on too much 
we just need to really just slow down and enjoy more so i think it's a beautiful wrap up of our session i would like to ask you anissa any last message you want to give from your book or from your life experiences to all the moms and dads who are listening to us now thank you i think it's that parenting is completely unreasonable and what i mean by that is it is beyond reason it's beyond logic it's beyond the mind it is too much like you there are you feel like it's too much because it is too much like you have another person's life from start to finish that in many many ways you're responsible for in addition to your own and so what that was one of I'm like this is absolutely unreasonable and so in order for me to thrive and not just survive I have to live beyond reason and that's what I call the realm of magic. And when we get beyond reason and beyond like the conditioning lots of what we've talked to today and we honor emotions what we find is that we move beyond reason and we can create much more than we ever thought possible and experience it in ways that we never thought possible. So it's unreasonable so the solution can't be logic or reason or structure or balance it's got to be magic. Awesome. I love this. It's unreasonable. Oh my god, that's such a relief. No. Right. Oh, okay. I'm not crazy. <laughs> no, I'm doing good. <laughs> With all this. Amazing. So where can people find you, Vanessa? Would you like to just share about your work? Yeah. So my website is vanessabrewerscoaching.com. I really should shorten that because it's way too much. My book, We Are One, How One Woman Reclaimed Her Identity Through Motherhood comes out August 17th, but it's available for pre-order on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all that good stuff. And I have a podcast every week called The Practical Magic Show. And that's just on my Facebook page. So you can find me and friend me there too. Yes, amazing. Thank you so much Vanessa for being with us and I had a lot of fun and I'm sure our listeners will enjoy the show as well. Thank you. That was a fun and interesting conversation with Vanessa Broads. How to reclaim your identity through parenthood. If you are a mom or a dad who is going through some kind of emotional challenges or issues or not able to understand their own self or feeling like getting lost in motherhood or fatherhood and if you would like to explore your life with a life coach and mentor feel free to connect and get in touch with me you can send me an email at coach at salonising.com I hold a self-mastery inner soul circle with parents and individuals who are on a path of self-discovery, on a path to connect with their own spirit and the spirit of this universe, understanding themselves. And if you would like to be a part of that group, which I will be launching soon, just send me an email at coachatsalonisingh.com to find out more or apply. And I will be seeing you soon in the next episode of Raising Parents 2.0 with another amazing guest. Till then, keep growing, keep evolving and keep inspiring yourself and your children and the whole world as well. If you like the podcast, please do leave a review for us and do share with other parents as well. Thank you so much for listening.